Welcome to Couch to Coach, a weekly podcast with me, Rob, an aspiring runner whose favourite place is being comfy on the couch. And me, Ben, a UK Athletics accredited running coach. Follow us as we try to turn Rob from couch to coached. And we are live. Are you sure? I think so. I think so. Testing, testing. <laughs> so apologies, guys, from last week. Uh, we've had a bit of a nightmare, but we are back. We are here. We are live. Again. <laughs> Blimey, O'Reilly. The stress this podcast provides, my oh my. But <laughs> I, I think like when, when you messaged after we'd interviewed our guest, which you're going to hear a little bit about in a minute... Um, and you'll hear the interview. Finally, you'll hear the interview. My heart sunk when you said to me, I hadn't recorded. I know. You, you can't mess an Olympian around and say, can you come <laughs> on again next week. Um, <laughs> but he has so, been really good. He has been really good. So it, It's great. But yeah, let's talk about this this guest that we've got then. So the guest that we've got, who is he? He's, well, his name's Adam Burgess. Um, he's a local lad. He's from Stone. He'll tell us all this anyway. Originally, he's living in Lee Valley at the moment, but he is. He took on his first Olympics Games at part of Team GB at Tokyo 2020. Uh, I think it was announced in 2021. I think it, because it was COVID time, so it was postponed by a year. But competing in the men's C1 and producing a stunning run to take a narrow fourth place finish on his debut by 0.16 of a second. Oh, imagine that. Imagine. He does talk about his Tokyo experience and, and in the interview. He was, or is, Great Britain's first ever C1 under-23 world champion in 2015 as well. Um, he has been growing in stature over the last few years. Um he used to be the, or is again, I keep saying used to be, like we've stripped him of his titles. Is <laughs> the 2018 European Championship silver medal and a World Cup silver medalist, which was on his home course of Lee Valley. He lives at Lee Valley Centre, doesn't he? I think he said in the interview, which is the, the place to be, apparently, as you're going to hear. Um, and he also, uh, in 2022, won the bronze medal at the Krakow World Cup. It's Adam Burgess. Let's have a listen. Here we are again. Second time lucky. Third time lucky, fourth time lucky. I'm not sure what luck time lucky it is this time, but uh, we're here again with our third guest of the Couch to Coach podcast. Uh, we've gone. We've had Ken Rushton from the NSRRA uh, a couple of weeks ago. Then we had uh, Barefoot Blade, uh, three weeks ago, and now we have Adam Burgess, an Olympian. The bar Adam, has been welcome. set. Cool, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to getting into it again. It was a good chat last time, so hopefully we can uh, recreate. So for, people, for so for people that don't know, <laughs> we had a bit of an issue. We had a conversation. So this is the second conversation with Adam with Adam, and it's We've just been saying it's it's we're really looking forward to having the same having the same conversation kind of because we were so impressed with last time and so in awe of what what Adam was talking about. So we will definitely get the best out of best out of me and me and me and Ben and also Adam. So if, I don't know if you want to introduce yourself, Adam again. Yeah, so um, I'm Adam Burgess. I'm a canoe slalom Olympian, um, and I guess I'm here as well because I'm a breathwork teacher. Um, my dad's friends with Rob 
uh, there's a local link there um i've since moved away so i actually live um at the lee valley whitewater center um down in hertfordshire so um, i'm based there where um canoe slalom was held um at the london 2012 games um but yeah i grew up in stone in staffordshire started canoeing on the river trent and uh yeah still here uh doing my thing so is lee valley like the home of british canoe slalom then mm, yeah that's right um pretty much if you're serious about the sport in this country you need to base yourself out of here um, yeah. i mean it's it's the best facility in the world for canoe slalom um so yeah we're incredibly lucky um to have it in britain and yeah i mean me personally incredibly lucky that it's literally in my back garden <laughs> yeah in terms of countries who's like the big powerhouses in canoe slalom is britain a big yeah we're, we're definitely up there um but i mean ahead of us probably um czech republic um france germany slovenia slovakia are also very good um it's yeah very like european dominated yeah um except in the women's there's an australian girl who wins almost everything um but yeah otherwise it is it, it's very european kind of focused so like if i want if, if so for example if i want to go out for a run i could just go out and i could go running around the streets of stoke if you just fancy us going and doing a bit of canoeing can you just go into the into lee valley and just do what you want to do or has it got to be all set and diarized yeah. i mean um i wouldn't recommend jumping straight on olympic level white water uh, <laughs> right don't um, give them any ideas don't give them ideas. <laughs> yeah um but no um you know it's it's getting more and more accessible these days um you know there's lots of different ways to to access paddle sports um yeah. you know, it doesn't necessarily just have to be slalom um stand-up paddle boarding for example has kind of been one of the things that that's really taken off lately and just a really easy way to access the water and and paddle sports and yeah and i mean there's just like i mean obviously i'm biased because it's kind of what i do but just being on a river and on a on a white wall river it's just it's like being on a playground like it's so cool yeah um, when you learn to kind of be safe and control that environment um yeah it, it's cool and it's one of those things you've got to build up to so you start off on flat water um or only very slightly moving water yeah um, and just start to build it up slowly yeah I mean, we can't see rob's face but I, th I imagine if we could he's already thinking about his venture into canoe <laughs> he's gonna sack me off the podcast and i can tell we had a joke about it before we, we actually started recording but i can see it in five years time couch to canoe the podcast <laughs> coming. Yeah, I've sounds got, I've got... that sounds like a really good initiative yeah well that's it i'll, I'll go from i'll go from couch to coach get myself in the in the, in the realm of running then i can uh, i'll venture out I have got size 14 feet. For the listeners that know that, I've got size 14 feet. So I don't need a canoe. I can use my shoes. I could just use my shoes. I just need a panade all. <laughs> so how did you get into it then, Adam? So obviously you talk about uh, you're a local lad to Stone. Mm. Um, how did you get into it in terms of actually starting this hobby and what is now a career? A mm. um, little bit of luck and like a bit of coincidence. Um, but um my school, uh, Walton Priory, had a link um, with Staff and Stone Canoe Club, and they they wanted a group of kids to start 
And actually, I wasn't part of that initial group that started out. There was like a little slip of paper. We had to get it signed by our parents to say, you know, we were allowed to go along. And I think I just lived crumpled up in my bag. Um, I was pretty interested to give it a go, but just not organized enough to get that sorted out. Um, But yeah, I remember about six, seven weeks in, someone dropped out and it just happened to be my form teacher um, who had that um connection and she just asked oh does anybody want to give it a try kind of just you know tentatively put my hand up and it's like yeah like I'll, I'll give it a go um and yeah it kind of blows my mind a little bit that it was like just a small kind of spur of the moment decision like that and it's you know shaped the rest of my life so far and you've gone from that to i suppose the the epitome of what you want to do in any any career is to get to, I suppose, in sport, something like the Olympics. So talk to us about the Olympics. What was the journey like to get from there to the Olympics? What was the training like and all sorts of different things? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, journeys like that have, like, a lot of ups and downs. Um, you learn an awful lot on the way there as well. I guess at, at the start, the the main thing was just that I just loved it from the word go. You know, yeah. I really enjoyed myself. Were you good at it? Um, what you have to serious? I mean, obviously, anything comes with serious yeah, hard work yeah. to get to where you got to. But were you good, and people spotted it and thought, "Well, this kid's really good," or did was it trial and error in that sense? Yeah, I mean, pretty early on, I think, like we knew I could be really good. Um, yeah. Although I remember my very first race, I was almost last um but uh yeah i mean particularly when i started in the canoe as well so you know we, we have two events in canoe slalom there's canoe and kayak yeah um the kayakers are sat down with their legs out in front paddling on both sides of the boat and i do canoe um i'm kneeling in the boat and i'm just paddling on the one side this um, blew my mind last time I've <laughs> It blows my mind every time. I've heard this like three times now. <laughs> so Rob's telling me, you telling me, and I'm like, I, I, we finished the, the failed episode last week, and the first thing I said to my wife is, oh, it didn't work. But do you know he's kneeling in the canoe? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and it, it was when I started that, there was kind of, you know, I, I remember pretty early on, it was kind of picked up. It was like, I could be really good at this. Um, yeah. And I, I just seemed to naturally... Pick it up a bit better. Um, I was a bit more excited by it. Um, it was, I guess, a, a bit of a it's like a greater technical challenge, I think, in the canoe, because obviously, you know, we're sat a bit higher up. There's the balance thing. Um, but also only paddling on one side of the boat. Um, or with one hand, even so you reach over the boat to paddle on the other side. We call it a crossbow. Um, I guess, you know, it's kind of like in tennis having a forehand and a backhand. Um, so the crossbow or like the offside is to start with um you know more difficult after 20 years it can become sometimes you want stuff on your offside um because you've really learned how to make that faster um what were we saying are we talking about the journey all the way to the games yeah so um i mean yeah just kind of progressed through the the british ranking system as a junior and started to make kind of like British junior teams, um, under 23 teams, and then finally um, 
as a senior. And then, yeah, I guess Rio was probably the first time that I was yeah. sort of in contention um, for a spot. I mean, the really difficult thing for us is that um, whilst three people make the team in each category to go to the World Championships, um, World Cup circuit, like all of our races, only one person gets to go to the Games. That's crazy. Out of the whole of the UK, one person. <laughs> that blows my mind that you were that one person for how many years ago? Three years yeah. ago. Crazy. Um, and, and for that one, I mean, that that selection process was, was brutal. Um, there were three of us going for it. We were all top 10 in the world. You know, we'd all won senior international medals at like the highest level. Yeah. Um, and yeah, only one of us could do it. So, um, yeah, it was brutal. It went down to the wire. Um, and at the end of it, I, I, I came out on top, which was obviously, you know, amazing for me and had just the best experience, um, you know, the whole journey to Tokyo, even despite um, the postponement by a year. Yeah, I can remember. I can, I can remember you get. I, I was living it with your dad. It was bizarre because I was, I was there with your dad because your dad told me that you got through to to actually be in the Olympics. He was really excited, well, as everybody was. I'm sure you were, but then it, obviously with COVID hitting, it was like postponed, and it was like Dean had booked to go, and then he couldn't go, and then he could go, and it was like I was living it with him because obviously we were quite closely together. So it, it's actually happened, and it it, it was. I can remember watching you on television as well. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was it was so good, and just just to get there in the end, and it happened. Yeah. You know, with everything that was going on in the world at the time, um, you know, we were just so relieved. Um, I wasn't I wasn't fussed. I wasn't phased by the fact it was postponed. Mm-hmm. It was like just just let it let it happen. As long as it happens, I'm kind of okay. As long as I got that that date in my calendar to aim for um then it was all good and and yeah you know um finished fourth um bittersweet one and you know it's and was it 0.16 of a second or something like that yeah that's the blink, it. That of, a blink of an eye blink of yeah. an eye um and it's yeah bittersweet but um i'm i'm still here um and i want more next time and, and what what does next time look like so i'm assuming you're going through that selection process again or how is that working around for you to get to paris is it next year france yeah so the next olympic games is in paris um and i mean from what i understand selection has kind of started already um our policy is kind of still in its kind of consultation phase but it's, it's going to be a little bit different this time last time around you sort of knew when you crossed the finish line who was going, we had a point system, it was all very clear. Um, this time around, it's going to be a little bit subjective. Um, they've, they've found it really difficult to come up with a system that is um, self-selecting, they're calling it. So like a point system essentially over races, but they found it difficult to come up with a system that you know doesn't have a scenario that they can think of that looks a bit unfair. Um, so to try and mitigate against that, there will be a kind of subjective element to it, but it's based on this thing that they're calling, um, like a medal profile and ultimately, you know, we'll send the team with the best chance of bringing home the most medals. 
Um, and yeah, hopefully I'm a part of that. Things are looking pretty good so far. Um, we've got a home world championships here in London to look forward to this year. Um, we'll have two selection series for the British team this year and for the British team next year. That's to select the top three. Um, I mean, so far, I think I'm unbeaten this year in training on this course. Um, last year in races, I think only two people managed to beat me on two runs and they were both, they were the last two Olympic champions. Um, but then I had them on other days. So yeah, no, it's, it's looking pretty good right now. So we said this last time on the podcast and I'm going to say it again, when you do get a gold medal at Paris, will you come back onto the podcast and tell us about it all? I promise you by that point, we'll be a bit more slicker and we would have to get you back three <laughs> times <laughs> it'll be a lot easier that'll be a lot easier to do will you come back well, to us and tell us all about the, the winning gold in, in the olympics we'll have a yeah, recording we studio we can do that yeah we'll have when as well i'm into that say that again i like that you're using the word when not if yeah when absolutely, absolutely. The language that i'm using as well i'm a big big believer in the kind of you know, manifesting these kind of things. Definitely. It'll be, a, it'll be a recording studio in Rob's front room, or his playroom, as he's told us he's sitting in. <laughs> Currently sat in my playroom, surrounded by all the toys. <laughs> so, Adam, what does your... Obviously, you've you've gone through um, a lot of, um, you know, good achievements so far, and obviously Paris is your current target. What does the training look like or what has the training looked like? How has that evolved over your career in canoe slalom and what's it looking like in, say, the next 12 months? How do you prepare for all this? Mm, it's so, this is something that just fascinates me, always has done. Um, probably the thing that is, I think, just, yeah, will continue to keep me in the sport for years to come is it's just a never-ending process of, like, evolving the training plan. Yeah. Um. I've got a lot of belief in my plan at the moment. You know, um, I really back the work that we're doing. Uh, you know, it's I'm trying to spend as much time as possible paddling white water. That's the crux of it. Um, what we need to do around that to support that white water training, we do as well. And at the moment, what it looks like is so I'm on the white water every morning. Yeah. Um, when I finish my first session, straight after that, I'm in the gym. And then three afternoons a week, I'm on the white water again, and the other two afternoons are for rest. So it's kind of like having a normal job. Like it's Monday to Friday, yeah. take the weekend. Um, historically, I've trained six days a week. Um, last couple of years, dropped it to five and actually feel like I get a bit more done. Um, like over a year, there's not much that I can't recover from, I feel like with three good nights of sleep from Friday um, ready to start again Monday. And it's the confidence that you can hit that week with and the confidence that doesn't really matter if I'm feeling tired, like Thursday, mm. Friday. But I know I've got those two full days to recover. And when, when, you, say, when you say we, sorry, there's a team behind you, I understand? <laughs> like... mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a funny one, actually. I, I do say we a lot, even though it's an individual sport. Um, it's kind of subconscious. 
That's what he's Rob there. does when he talks about his running. He talks about it as a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a coach. I like that. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. It's a really good way to be. Um, but yeah, no. So I have a team that supports me. Um, like primarily, it's my coach, Craig Morris. Um, you know, we're working together. We're a group of three. I've got another teammate, Kim, as well. She competes um, in both events, kayak and canoe in the women's. Um, but yeah, essentially, we're both working like one-to-one with Craig or two-to-one. And um, outside of that, we've also got strength and conditioning coach, physio, video analysis, psychology, um, performance lifestyle, uh, medical team, bits and bobs. So... But they're there to support like the whole team. Um, yeah. A big part of what I like to do is, you know, really bring these guys in kind of into my journey, get them really kind of back in kind of my project as well. Because um, yeah. like we all share in that and you kind of feel it like, you know, those moments like in Tokyo, we're a much smaller team out there, but it really felt like we were working towards that together. and. Um, just yeah, like like nice moments there, like in the team area, like after I finished competing and stuff. It's um like like with those guys, um it's yeah really cool. When One we thing were, I've always wondered. Go on, Rob. When we were thinking about having you on as a guest, um obviously being an Olympian and, and sport, and it's been a running podcast. The one thing that I was really interested in was that it is such a singular sport where where like like running. How do you get from that? How do you get into that mindset when you're being coached? Because I'm the same. I get coached by Ben. I have phone calls with Ben, and he sets me a training program. But it's all down to you at the end of the day, isn't it? I suppose you are the person that does the race and that does the, does the the event. What kind of things go through your mind when you're going from that position where you've got everybody with you to actually doing the race or the event? Yeah, I mean, I I think that's that's like a big strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no no coach or, or or team can win it for you. But um they can certainly, you know, put so much into the project. So I, you know, I like to see it almost like we're almost like a Formula One team and I'm just like the driver. Mm. Um, you know, the psychologist, she's working on the onboard computer. Conditioning <laughs> is trying to add a few more horsepower to the engine. Um that's how I like to see it. And then like when you're up there. Yeah, you're like you're on your own, and that's kind of cool too. I really like that moment um, just before competing. Um, but then, yeah, like I like <laughs> two things about it. Really, yeah, I like the fact that I'm on my own. Um, I feel like you learn a lot about yourself in that space. Those moments are so intense, and not many people get to experience feelings like that. But at the same time you kind of feel the energy and the support of, you know, the team that have been involved in that project, but also, you know, family, friends, other supporters, people back home, all of that, people there on the riverbank. Um, and that's all super cool too. And, and when you go to Paris and you get that medal, this is going to happen. Um, 
does the team get medals? Or is it just you that gets the medal? I've always wondered that with the Olympics because they have teams. The coaches get medals as well. We've got to look after the coaches. No, yeah. Oh, <laughs> coaches coach union. Come on. Just the athletes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if I was to do it um, next time, right? You've, maybe maybe I can do something around that. Yeah, maybe we can start a tradition. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to Roosley and Ben didn't come with me. Um as it was, it was individually running, but couldn't come. But I picked him up a medal. Picked him up a medal for for. I picked him up and, and a hat as well. So I'm going to be sending them to him. So we can start that tradition here. We're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna strike and we're gonna get the coaches all the all the medals as well. Coaches, I mean, I'm not disrespecting Rougely Ten, but um, you know, it's not the same as potentially picking up a bronze or silver or gold from Paris, right? Um, let's have a look at your recovery then, because you you've said that a lot of it is about sort of your being able to do more um, during the week. And there's a, a famous quote that I put on Instagram yesterday from a coach called Steve Magnus. Uh, it's more of a a formula and he says that stress plus rest equals growth mm. so giving yourself optimum recovery time is something that you've found a balance of quite well by the sounds of it yeah um always learning um i do think i've put myself into a bit of a hole the past few weeks but um yeah i mean i'm trying to be the best at rest that's my that's my little slogan um it's it's one of those things at this level and and because we do such a cool sport you know everyone loves to go canoeing um in our game no everyone wants to be out there training it's it's very easy to overdo it and also you, you're just not gonna out train anyone like it's everyone's working hard it's just you know i've been asked before to do like various talks and things and they're saying you can you talk about hard work and things like that and like like how you get where you are and I just think at this stage, it's that's just a given. Like, if you're not working hard, then you're not even kind of in the in the equation. Um, there's other things that play in. Yeah, I think some of the hardest stuff to do is actually resting properly. Um, it's everything you're doing outside of the training. Um, and then maybe if you're getting that right, maybe you can train a little bit more and out-train people. Um, <laughs> And what are your sort of, you know, without giving any sort of secrets away to your direct rivals, because they might be listening to the show, we never know. Um, <laughs> what are your big tips for rest? Because I know you're obviously into your breath work. We want to talk about that a little bit separately in a minute. Um, but what are your big sort of things that you do for rest and recovery? I sleep a lot. Um, I Ideal. Ideal. Yeah, it's, it's the basics, you know. I think and it's something I see a lot of people make mistakes with is, is trying to, do all the complicated things first, you know, what, what are the supplements they should be taking and, and like all this stuff and just do the basics, right. You know, get enough sleep. Sleep is almost like top, top priority when it comes to rest. Um, do what you need to do to look after that. Um, get a good sleep routine, waking up at the same time in the, of the day. Actually, you know, almost everyone has a, an alarm to wake up in the morning. Not many people have an alarm when they need to start winding down to go to bed. Mm. I have one. It goes off. It'll go off in about half an hour. Um, Come on, Rob, wrap it up. Wrap it up. I <laughs> need to start winding down. Um, that gives me an hour and a half to be asleep. Um, so, yeah, like rest is best. Get your sleep in. Sorry, go on. Carry on. I, say I try to get a nap in as close as I can to my session. 
Um, snack nap brew is what I say. So I get home, I have a snack, I have a nap, and then I brew a coffee. That sounds like me when I'm when I'm on your I'm on your leave this week and I'm like I could just go for a nap but I I can't because I've got other things to do. <laughs> but it is I See, this is yeah. So <laughs> one of the uh, the perks of uh, it being my job, yeah. <laughs> being an athlete is yeah you do get to uh, look into all of these things and yeah. two naps in the day is 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 work. You know it's my job to do that. I think it's Cristiano Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo like sleeps for like I think it's like. Eight hours, eight hours in the day, as well as at night, as well. Don't even talk about that. It's crazy. Hmm. I mean, as a, as a running coach, I always uh, try and test the workouts that I'm going to give to the runners that I prescribe them for. Hmm. So I might start saying to Rach, my wife, that I need to test the recovery side of it and <laughs> Sounds get good a couple me. of naps in. You know, <laughs> Adam's told me, what is it, snack snack rest brew or something? You said it was nap brew. Yeah. Snack nap brew. I'm going to be doing that twice a day, I think, from now on. <laughs> And I noticed that you do a lot of, um, again, I said it on the last time we met, I've been doing a bit of stalking of your Instagram, that you do uh, a lot of recovery with ice ice baths as well, so in the ice. Talk to us about yeah. that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit different, actually, at the moment. So it's not so much about recovery for me, the ice. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I love the cold. Um, well, no, actually, that's wrong. I hate the cold. I hate being cold. <laughs> but, uh, the cold water, um, it, you know, when you go beyond just being a little bit cold and miserable for an hour, when you're having a, a short, sharp burst of really intense cold, it kind of goes beyond that. And it's this like euphoric um, kind of feeling. And yeah, I start every day either with a cold shower or cold plunge. Um, it's yeah during the week it's usually just a cold shower and then the weekends we've got a lake nearby that we can walk to um it's actually starting to warm up a little bit now um but yeah not so long ago we were breaking the ice to get in there and um but yeah no i think it's it's more of a mental game that is for me um a mental game and kind of more of the other health benefits beside the recovery um does a breath yeah, weight come into that as well then so because i know people when people I've, I've done the i've done an ice bath not mm. as, as uh, fancy as getting into lake like <laughs> you and breaking the ice tipped a few bags of ice in my bath and got in there and it takes your breath away so i suppose is it about regulating your breath when you're getting into there yeah that's exactly what it is it's about regulating your breath so i'd say it's about breath control okay. rather than breath work um yeah i, I really don't like the term breath work i'm trying to move away from that um i'm not sure what the replacement is going to be yet um but yeah no with the ice it's about breath control so you can get your breath under control before you get in i like to get into a nice rhythm usually i'm counting it in for five up for ten something like that and then i always step into the cold at the start of my exhale and i just count it down and and for me that seems to control the shock response Still to come on this episode of the Couch to Coach Running Podcast. Just, it, it, I've been kind of fascinated by it lately. This like nasal breathing, as though it's this new, this new trend, this new fad that everyone needs to try. And like, it, it's it's not. It's 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 normal breathing. Nasal breathing is just breathing. Um, it's how we're supposed to be doing it. The Couch to Coach Podcast is available on a wide variety of podcast players. 
If you like what you hear in this episode, please remember to follow the show and set a future episodes to auto-download. Our main objective on this show is to get people into running and to talk about running. We're two normal guys that live normal lives, and although our following is growing, we rely on you, the listeners, to get the word out there about this show. So please, whilst you're listening, remember to leave us a review on your chosen podcast player to help boost our ratings. Finally, you can stay up to date with all things Couch to Coached over on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Just search for Couch to Coached. So when you're in the ice bath, uh, you talk about breath control, breath work. Talk to me a bit more about the 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 element of breath work or breath control or whatever you call it, Adam. Yeah, so um, for me... It started out um, when I was trying to rehab a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those injuries where it just took so long to actually find out what was the problem. And I had one really good physio who suggested that I was breathing too much from my upper chest and that that might have been causing the problem. Yeah. And I think I mentioned it to my mum. And she suggested I went to her yoga class, um, which at the time was, yeah, I was, you know, I, I was not convinced to be honest. Let's say that. <laughs> uh, but I went along anyway, um, and yeah, just got truly humbled, really, by uh, by you know a room full of women um, who were way stronger than me. Um, <laughs> um but yeah so for a guy who you know lifts weights and um there's like you know an extreme sport it was it it could have gone one of two ways really you know that can be a a big hit to the ego and put you off forever or what i think is the kind of the athlete mindset is you kind of get humbled at something like that you realize maybe there's a lot to learn here Mm. and I was really interested to see what yeah what I could learn from it if it would help my shoulder get better um and then yeah like and beyond and yeah my yoga practice has has continued ever since um I actually teach now um but the whole time I think you know it's breath that got me into it it's it's the breath that is still um the most important part for me um, the thing I'm most interested in, the most keen to share. Um, and yeah, it's it, it's not so much about performance as it is about health, um, longevity of my career, as well as like longevity generally of life. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of what, what it's all about for me. So in terms of controlling the breath then, um, what are for the listeners some of the the sort of quick off the top of your head benefits to controlling your breath yeah so i mean breathing is one of those things that is automatic so when when you tell people you're you're a breath teacher or a breath coach whatever they're like well i can, I, I can remember that joke <laughs> it was about david beckham listening to a po- listening to a podcast or something what you're listening to oh, it's just it's just victoria telling me to breathe in and breathe out it's like that kind of thing isn't it? where people talk to people it's like well what can you do with other than breathe but there's a lot that you can do mm. 
exactly there's there's so much to it and um what i teach you know we look at uh three different things look at the biochemistry of breathing the biomechanics and the resonance the pace of the breath and we're trying to influence all of these things now certain breath practices may only look at one of those things um and for a for a true intervention to really be successful you need to consider all three um the foundation of of all of all three of those things is that we breathe through the nose um 24 hours a day at rest and then yeah as much as possible as well during exercise now last time we spoke about this and i was talking about the small hack you can use to get the guaranteed nasal breathing during sleep which it's very simple you just tape the mouth shut um a few different ways of doing it small piece like a postage stamp size piece just across the middle of the lips you can go all the way across as well if you're comfortable doing that. Ben said he was going to try it after we spoke last week. <laughs> and I'm curious to hear how he got on. I didn't try it. I will admit I didn't try it. It's only because I mentioned it to my wife and I said, look, he's talked about taping mouth shut when you sleep. And she looked at me really funny, first of all, admittedly. <laughs> and then I tried to explain to her the benefits of doing it and obviously didn't come across as um, clear and clear with as, as you have about the benefits behind it. So she kept on looking at me. And then when I pulled out a, a roll of gorilla tape, which is like <laughs> heavy, heavy duty um, tape you'd use to hold pipes together. She just said, you're, you're not getting into bed with that on your mouth. So, um, it is still something I want to try. Um, and I think what, what I have found actually since our last discussion was to have been more aware of the fact that I do breathe an awful lot through the mouth. Mm. Um, and we messaged after the last failed attempt to record and I said, I do have quite sometimes quite poor sleep quality. Mm. Um, but one of the things I have found is that I'm more aware of the fact that I'm, tr I'm actually trying to breathe more through the nose. And I went for a walk around the woods the other morning because I didn't have time to do exercise and I wanted to get a bit of space before work. Um, and I went for about a 20 minute walk and I deliberately just was breathing through my nose for the whole time. I, I don't know if I felt any difference, but I guess it's not one of the things you would feel an immediate difference from, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely not. It's, you may, I mean, you may not feel different for going for a walk and breathing through your nose to how you felt before you went, mm. but you might feel different to had you have done that and not been so conscious of your breathing. Mm -hmm. um you know if you if you monitor or track anything um with like like garmin or a whip or like whatever you use yeah um i'd be really interested to see that kind of data um you might find that your heart rate variability is higher um yeah. because you're less stressed yeah um you know a really uh -huh. simple way to think about these things is you know if the, if the mouth is open that's a sign to the brain from the body that you're under threat. So if you can keep the mouth closed and sustain your nasal breathing, you're way more likely to keep your body in that parasympathetic rest and digest state. So breathing, breathing through the nose for me, I find it quite difficult because I, I get, it sounds really revolting. When I run a lot of 
mucus and snot <laughs> but what how do I combat that if I if I'm running because I, I do get a lot um and that does result in me being not unable to breathe through my nose but difficult to keep breathing through my nose like today I went out for a run and I knew we were going to do this this uh, podcast again today so I thought I'll try it and because of that it was right quite difficult is there any tips that you could suggest for that you just got to start slowly you know yeah. do as much as you can and um what i normally suggest is if yeah if you can't breathe through the nose and say it's it's a run or you know exercise session whatever it is you're doing if you're going to be in kind of like like zone one and two and you can almost like we use zone one and two as like a as like a guide you can use yeah. the nose as a so you go at nose pace Uh, you know if you're struggling you slow down until you can sustain that now it might feel like you're taking a step backwards but when that nasal breathing catches up you'll take two three steps forwards yeah so because we had a question from um one of the the, one of our runners who run with stoke fit and she talks about she's an asthmatic runner so other than breathing in through the nose and then out through the mouth rather than gasping any other useful breathing techniques to help when running an effort that you would recommend so would you be saying through the nose in through the nose out um because she takes an yeah. inhaler and she struggles mm. sometimes yeah no absolutely so i'd say yeah nose in nose out um the nose in mouth out that we all learned from our PE teacher mm. um it actually causes more nasal congestion than nose in nose out okay um what the nose out does is it just controls that exhale, really slows it down. Um, now with asthma, um, from what I understand, um, depending on whether it's, it's asthma or exercise-induced asthma, um, it's just bronchoconstriction and yeah. like restriction of the airway, particularly in the cold air that we've got at yeah. the moment. You really don't want to be breathing that in through the mouth because the, the mouth serves no purpose when it comes to breathing. Um, if we use the nose, then we're warming that air up. We're slowing it down. We're humidifying it. It's much better on the airway. So, yeah, for asthma sufferers, it's going to be much, much better for that. I was actually, when I was younger, I was told I had exercise-induced asthma um, by one of our sports doctors. And this was because I was just finding it hard training in the cold. Um, and it's nonsense. I didn't have exercise-induced asthma. I was just rubbish at breathing. Well, that's okay. Um, so they gave me an inhaler, and we're like, cool, crack on. And uh, yeah, I, I just I wish that there's there was a bit more awareness and a bit more education around this stuff because I could have learned this years ago if there was. Um, and yeah, I definitely don't have exercise-induced asthma. I've got no need for an inhaler. Um, what I was suffering from was this constriction because i was gasping this cold air in and it makes sense it makes a lot of sense until you've actually said that the the mouth is is, is function is to talk and to eat and di- like I say digest whereas so the teacher, patrick he um he, he explains it so clearly the nose is for breathing the mouth is for eating yeah right um i shared a post recently on uh, my tiktok and how just i've been kind of fascinated by it lately this like nasal breathing as though it's this new this new trend this new fad that everyone needs to try and like it's it's not it's 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 normal breathing 
nasal breathing is just breathing. Um, it's how we're supposed to be doing it. I mean, it's um, it's interesting because I remember having two kids, and and they when they're born, you you go through like your NCT classes and the doctors and stuff. And actually, I googled this between the last failed episode and this one. I've got it here. So young babies don't develop the reflex to breathe through their mouths until they are three or four months old. And in children, mouth breathing can lead to microtraumas of the tonsils and anenoids, causing them to enlarge and restrict the airway. So that is go right back to when we're born. We don't actually breathe through the mouth. It is all through the nose. Yeah. And a lot of these problems, I mean, you, you can obviously, you can be predisposed um, to asthma genetically and, and, and allergies and things like this. But a lot of this stuff doesn't come out until kids are a little bit older. Yeah. Around the age of four or five, I think, for most people. Um, so yeah, we're we're all majority of us are born breathing perfectly. You watch a baby breathe, it's like the whole thing inflates. Biomechanics <laughs> are great, it's using its nose. Um, you know, the same for movement as well, right? Like toddlers, like perfect movers, like the, yeah. the, the perfect squat, all of that. And it's it's unlearned as we get older. We spend too much time sitting in chairs, eat too much processed food, talk too much. It can be looked at for so many things, can't it? The fact that as we get older, we try and think that we're going to be better at things by making changes, but we're born in the most perfect natural form of breathing the right way. We don't wear shoes. We're not intended to necessarily wear shoes. So there's books like... Um, was it born to run where they they study um you know the 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 way in which we're supposed to be running um mm. we eat processed foods but there was no processed foods back when man was first created um so we are we're doing quite a lot of damage to ourselves aren't we yeah yeah and these these processed foods it's not just wreaking havoc with our our gut and what's going on inside it's like the actual development of the jaw as a kid, which obviously is then affecting the development of the airway as a whole. Yeah. And that's why this, uh, in some people, in some individuals, this mouth breathing starts is because the airway is not big enough to breathe through the nose. So the mouth has to open. So we've got to start closing. And like, people see change, little changes in the shape of their face um, from correcting their breathing to be more functional and through the nose. So in terms of breathing practices, um, obviously you've talked about taping your mouth when you're yeah. sleeping and are there are there breathing practices which you do regularly away from that and are there things that the listeners if they were conscious of their breathing and wanted to see if there's any improvements they could get for the health they could go away and do after listening to this show yeah i mean i am um, i'm a big believer in the work that i'm doing in breath now is about education and you know i feel like I'd love it if everyone just knew how to breathe in any given situation. Maybe it's to create a certain state. Maybe it's to relax. Maybe it's to upregulate. So, yeah, what I teach is education. And the idea of it being that you don't need a breath practice. You know, people find it really difficult to commit to these things. 20 minutes a day of of this or that, you know, whether it's meditation or whatever that might be, you know, these habits tend to drop off. Mm. So what I'm trying to, to do is, is teach principles, teach mechanism so that 
you don't need the breath practice, but you're just breathing better 24 hours a day. Um, and yeah, I mean, the ways to start is to just, as, as you've done, start to pay attention to it during the day, go out for those walks, just check in regularly. Um, we all need the cues. We all need something to trigger that thought. How am I breathing right now? When you're having that thought more often, you know, it just snowballs until, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm thinking about it a lot, probably too much. Are you thinking about it now then, Adam, with your breathing? Yeah, breathing and speaking is something that I find really difficult. Okay. Um, and it's really important because obviously speaking is exhaling through the mouth. Yeah. So, we talked about it on the last bottle. We keep calling it the failed podcast. It's got its own name. <laughs> <laughs> it's become it's an episode title. We'll put it up. Yeah. We were talking about it on the failed episode that you, you talk about when you rest, that you don't do a lot of speaking because that mm. is your because you, you're trying to prevent to to retain all the breath, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense to you. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. No, I I try and be quiet um during rest. Um Historically, looking back, there's been, you know, certain figures in the past who literally withheld speech mm. uh, for health reasons. And yeah, I think, you know, there's a very good reason why, why monks move around slow and they don't speak very much. They're very quiet. You know, they move in silence. Um, and yeah, I mean, they learn to breathe before they learn to count. It's, it's just so fundamental. Um, and hopefully, yeah, I mean, my goal is to get this stuff taught in schools at some point. Um, so, let, so let's have a look at giving yourself a little plug. How, if people want to learn more from you, obviously we've only got this podcast episode. Hmm. Um, where can people go to get some of this information from you? Yeah, so I, um, I've got some really exciting stuff coming up. Um, recently started working with a new um, business coach to help me kind of flesh this out a little bit. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, yeah, if people go on, you can go to my Instagram. Um, I'm at slalom underscore Burgess. Uh, I've got a website link on there. If you want the website as well, it's just www.adam-burgess.co.uk. Um, I've got a link on there. You can register interest. Um, and yeah, if you do that, I'll be in touch very soon about um, all my offerings. I think we're going to have um, group offerings as well as uh, one-to-one work as well. Excellent. Stuff. What's the what's the long-term ambition then with all the, the breath work slash control? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really passionate about this stuff. Yeah. Um, I can clearly I really, see, yeah. I really feel like we can make a big difference um, to a lot of people. You know, it's it's changed my life, and you know, I'm really keen to kind of inspire these changes in other people so yeah i mean this is this is my job really on the side at the moment it's more of a side hustle but hmm. um I'll, I'll probably transition into this full time at some point and we're right in saying that you're looking to or you're a believer and probably looking to get this taught in schools that's what you're thinking is a, a way forward or certainly should be yeah absolutely yeah i think you know the younger people can start this stuff um we can prevent the need for the breathwork practice later in life. Um, you know, giving people the tools um, to a, a not be as predisposed, things like anxiety, panic attacks, allergies, asthma, all of these things. Um, but then also have the tools 
to know what to do if we are kind of experiencing any of these things. So there are obviously many health benefits to it. Um, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, a few there obviously can help with things like anxiety, asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, from a performance point of view, I'd be interested because one of the key things with performance, certainly in running, ultimately is to keep your heart rate as low as possible so you can sustain a level of performance, your pace mm-hmm. output. Um, what's the best way to reduce or control the breath to reduce your heart rate or to keep your heart rate low, either before an event or during an event? Mm. So, um, no, this is a a really interesting question and uh, respiratory rate and heart rate are, are really closely intertwined. Um, one of my first clients, actually, she's an Olympic finalist and her rest and heart rate dropped by 10 beats um, within a few weeks of working together. Wow. Um, and this is a fit elite level athlete. Mm. Um, and yeah, just a simple bit of education. Um, this one thing to remember as well is that you know, you can be incredibly fit and not necessarily that good at breathing. Mm. I've been an example of that in the past. Um, and there's lots of other examples out there. Um, so be, but also, you know, not necessarily being good at breathing doesn't mean you're unfit. Um, but they can certainly complement one another. There's a, the relationship between respiratory rate and heart rate. Um, when we inhale, the heart rate speeds up. When we exhale, the heart rate slows down. So it's a difference between this pace, um, the discrepancy there, that that's what heart rate variability refers to. But we can manipulate this knowledge and we can extend that exhale and that can slow our heart rate down. And we're doing that through the nose or through the nose and mouth for that purpose? or Ideally, it's nose-nose. Yeah. Um, when we're exercising, um, you know, we talk about gears, there's different gears to this. So nose in mouth out would be the slightly harder gear mm. mouth in mouth out is absolutely maximal. If, if you need it, I'm not sure there's many situations where that's appropriate. Yeah. Um, even nose in mouth out, but for the majority of people, it probably is a gear to go into with the goal to train the nose in, nose out, to be able to sustain it at those higher intensities as well, though. So for a complete beginner looking to control their breath for a performance basis to lower the heart rate, Mm -hmm. it would be... For a a complete beginner, to be honest, I wouldn't even be thinking about it for exercise. Okay. I wouldn't be worrying about it. I'd be trying to make sure the breathing is optimal throughout the day at rest. So when you're resting, when you're resting, when you when you can think to yourself, right, Rob, what's happening when you're breathing? Then once yes. you've got to that point of where you're recognizing that and you're able to do it a bit more sustainably, you then think to yourself, right, okay, I'll take that into my exercise of choice or my my sport of choice. Is that what you're trying yeah, to say? Yeah, absolutely. And and you'll yeah. already be seeing benefits in the exercise because you'll yeah. be recovering that much better. And you'll be deliberately trying to exhale for longer than the inhale. Yeah. And I think it's, it's like in stages. So, you know, we work this stuff at rest. Then we bring it into like the recovery periods of the exercise or the warm up and the warm down. Right, and okay. then when we're there, that's when we can start to bring it into the actual efforts. 
I mean, I'm already doing it now. I'm sitting here breathing. In <laughs> I am as well. I've been going out as long as I can through the nose. Yeah, I'm I'm sold. I'm going to be registering, Adam. I want more information. I think this is this is something, listeners. Um, I, I, if you're listening to this podcast, you, chances are you're listening to it because you're interested in running, or you're one of Adam's friends, and that's more likely because you've probably got you've got more followers than us. Um, but, you're probably going to be wanting to take something away from this podcast. And I think this is brilliant because this is something you can literally sit in there, uh, you know, whether you're on the bus on the way to work or you're sitting in the car driving to work or walking down the street or lying in bed, sitting on the sofa, you can be practicing this or, you know, working on that and becoming aware and you're already making strides in improving your health and also potential your fitness levels. Yeah. I mean, for the runners out there, um, some homework for you if you want it. Um, watch videos of Kipchoge running and just mm. look at his face. Mm. Um, just smiling the whole smiling, way. Yeah. Our he does, yeah. I've noticed that when he was running. Yeah. So just it's, actually, it's really good posture in the face for breathing as well. So tongue resting in the upper palate and almost like a half smile on the face yeah. really helps to kind of just, just you, you can see it. It kind of stretches the skin underneath the nose and opens that airway. Okay. He's not gasping for air, is he? Like, you know, no. we see our oh, never mark, just gasp. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Even when he's running sub two hour marathons, he's smiling, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so one of my uh one of my breathwork teachers, he he said early on, he's like, you know, like none of us are gonna run at his pace. So this guy was a running coach as well. He says, you know, we can't run at his pace, but we can all run at his effort level. Mm. You know, yeah. you don't need to be out there gasping for air and um you know panting and i would say i would say i've looked at some of your again some of your tiktok videos and your instagram videos and it gives you techniques of how to how to clear your airways how to clear your nasal passages and things so if people that are similar to me and they're similarly thinking how the hell am i going to do this i would say go and look at uh, adam's tiktoks look at his instagram is it slalom burgess slalom underscore burgess something like that uh, TikTok, it's uh, breathe with Burgess. That's the one. That's the one. So yeah, there's loads right, of. Rob. I know. Well, I know this. I know the Instagram one. So there's loads of stuff out there that you can have a look at. So do mm. do do that, um, and fa- and find out what you can do with your breathing. Um, what we'll do, Adam, if you send the details over to Rob, because he clearly can't remember him. He's supposed to do research. <laughs> well, um, we'll pop them in the show notes as well. So if you are listening, if you scroll down to that now, you should be able to see uh, Adam's details to get either some reach out to get some information in regards to all this um, or obviously follow his social media profiles and have a look at it as well. Because Rob's obviously a big fan. He's been stalking. I've been looking on there as well. It is all fascinating stuff. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating conversation, isn't it? It's... Mm-hmm. It's these little things that can really help to change people's outlook. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I, it's it's been a big part of my journey, I think, with sport. Um, and I feel so fortunate to be in a position where, you know, I get to invest so much time and energy into one thing. And, um, you know, I guess you dial it down, I think, as human performance. Um, from a physical perspective, mental, technical, in Kanu Slalom. And, you know, I've, I've gone through phases in the past where I've almost felt guilty that I'm so fortunate that I get to do it. I, I love my sport. I probably enjoy it more now, even than when I was like 12 years old. Um, and I kind of made peace with that in the knowledge that I'm learning all this stuff, but I also get to share it. Yeah. Um, 
and you know i've gone out there and studied more and you know done the kind of what i need to do in terms of qualifications insurance and things and and the, the breathing is the main thing for me at the moment um but you know we as athletes we, we and, you, and you'll get it as runners as well everyone has a different entry point into these things but it can be the gateway to better health all round. So do you see yourself in a few years, not a few years time, because hopefully your career is a lot longer than that, but in terms of stepping away from canoe slalom competing, do you see yourself as maybe being a coach to future Olympians? Obviously, we talked about the teams behind people these days. Um, being someone that could actually help people to improve their performance by being a breathwork teacher. Yeah, I'm not sure who who my client would be um, when I step away from sport um but certainly you know do see myself in that teacher um or coach role um certainly breath work probably holistic health as a whole eventually mm. um kind of keep it a bit more simple for now uh whilst i'm still an athlete i probably will just be teaching breath and then yeah uh, when i transition out of sport maybe i'll broaden but um you know I'm, I'm not just keen to work with athletes this this stuff is for everyone for sure yeah, good yeah, good stuff. Um, I'm keen to talk a bit about your running, Adam. <laughs> Run a running podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What, what's what's your history of running? Have we got one? So you know what? I actually went out on a, a not much of a run, but I ran today. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I went out for a run. Let's say I ran. Uh, <laughs> I did my first uh, my first pain free kilometer um in in a very long time um i historically have never got on with running i always hated it i had a coach years ago that was quite into it and yeah it was just misery for me absolute misery um since teaching or since relearning myself how to breathe and um wanting to teach that some more wanting to progress myself um I, I i got into it and and yeah i was really enjoying it but i guess i've gone from doing no running to it was when i came home from the olympics i think it was a bit of an outlet for me mm-hmm. i was running three or four times a week um, and as you can imagine um as a canoeist you know not really training legs i'm, I'm a little bit top heavy <laughs> um i'm also kneeling in the boat and have been doing so for almost 20 years um to knees hips ankles um not in great shape so yeah that that was fairly short-lived um for me but hopefully uh, i'm starting to i've been doing a lot of work a lot of uh rehab in the gym so when i know I know, pain, I, know, pain I, know a, I know a coach if you need a running coach uh, it's, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty good He's a dodgy brummy lad. That's what I get told, by the way. I'm a dodgy brummy lad. I don't listen to him. him. I'm working wonders with some great runners at the moment. Um, Me included. Yeah, he's getting there. Um, When you say pain-free run, what's the problem? I'm not not about to spend the next 20 minutes. It's been a knee issue for me. Yeah, it's been a knee problem. Um, It's like an impact thing. So particularly running downhill. Um, I was pretty good going uphill um but um yeah like flat or down i was really struggling um but it's yeah i've done a lot of work and um I'm is really that because struggling. of the position in the canoe do you think or almost certainly yeah yeah um so i'm just going to build back up slowly yeah good 
as I say, I was I was getting really into it, and um, yeah, kind of it was like extra. It was additional to the training that I was doing. I kind of saw it a bit more as like more of like a headspace thing than anything else for me. Um, but yeah, and um, I think we we had a, a bit of a chat. You wanted to hear my story about um, not turning left. I, I saw a post on your Instagram story about yeah. somebody. I think a message between yeah, you really, and yeah. a friend or something. Yeah, the the, uh, the take me to church story. Um, there's a there's a World Cup um, almost every year in this this beautiful town um, in the uh, Spanish side, the Pyrenees, called La Serra de Gel. Um, it's where I won my Olympic spot as well. But um, there's a church you can see on this mountain from our hotel and uh, from the slalom course. And it's about 5k up and 5k down. And it's it's pretty steep. And I, not being a runner, I'd never done it before. Um, until we were there. Um, after I started, I'm, I've got to try this church from now. I'm, I'm a runner now. <laughs> but uh, it, it was literally when I, it wasn't long after I'd come home from the game. So yeah, I had, it might have even been the first run I was, that, that I tried. And essentially, yeah, I accidentally ran 12k up a mountain um because no one told me to turn left they just said just keep going (laughs) (laughs) and yeah there's a search party out and it kind of happened because i was kind of stuck between like i was stuck between the fast group of my teammates who also run um but i was a bit faster than the slower group like i've got the lungs for it just just not the legs um but i mean you know when they were when they were searching for me and when they were shouting, they were shouting from the top of the mountain. And like one of the jokes was, well, he's not going to be able to reply, is he? Because his mouse tape shut. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I basically ran to the next town and I could see the church like so far below me before I realized I've gone too far here. Um, and I, like I knew it was 5k, but I wasn't wearing a watch. I didn't have a phone. Uh, it was pretty miserable, but I was like, you know, I'm I'm not sure I like running, so I could have been going 20 minutes, and it just feels like two hours. <laughs> God for life after that experience. And yeah, yeah, I have been, and actually, I've since I've since been back up there, and I've done it properly, and I've also, I think, the third time I ran, I managed to go the wrong way again. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it turned into like a run slash boulder session to get to the top in the end <laughs> you, you stick to your white water adam i think you're doing yeah, great yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i've just got one last question for you adam before we i think ben's got his little bit of a quiz to end on hmm. how often do you get back to stoke um yeah I, I get back as often as i can um probably not as often as i should really um to see uh, this isn't a question from your dad by the way this is a question from me <laughs> <laughs> we've actually um Staffenstone canoe club um have actually hosted a like a series of winter slaloms there's three okay. of them they do it every year um i actually got back for all three of those so yeah i've been home three times in the last six weeks brilliant brilliant um yeah i'm not sure the next time i get back it's usually you know at least if it's been two months then i i, I gotta get home and what do you miss the most about Stoke? Obviously, apart from your family. 
Um, <laughs> not the football I mean, team. Not the football team. family, yeah, yeah. We, we'd say family first because I've got in trouble before. Yeah, definitely family first. Instantly answering oatcakes to that. I was going to say, I knew you were going to say oatcakes. Ben's <laughs> not sure about what oatcakes are really and what he can have on him, but I knew you were going to say oatcakes. That's why I asked yeah. the question. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely, definitely oatcakes. Well, not at the moment. <laughs> so you're a Stoke City fan for the people that don't know he's, Adam's a Stoke City fan yeah big time yeah go on then Ben I'll let you finish off with the with the quiz the quiz I've developed a quiz you're going to enjoy this one so what we're going to do we're going to play canoe or runner canoe or <laughs> okay. runner so I, I'm going to ask you in turn I'm going to give you the name in turn and you're going to tell me whether it's a canoe slalomer or a runner okay, okay. who wants to go first I'll let Adam go first, as is the guest. All right, Adam, is this person a canoe slalomer or a runner? I should know this. Elliot Kipchoge. Right. I, I knew I should have gone first. I knew that one. Thank <laughs> God, a minute was starting Wait. easy. So that's one to Adam. If I don't know the name, then I'm going to guess runner as well. Uh, tactics. <laughs> tactics. <laughs> Rob, is this well. person a canoe slalomer or a runner? Adam Burgess. Ooh, that's an odd one. Canoe slalom. He's not, he's not a runner. We established that. <laughs> we established hey, that. both now. <laughs> Adam, is this person a canoe slalom? Is still a runner? David Florence. Canoe slalom. Canoe slalom. Correct. 2-1. Rob. Mallory Franklin. Runner. Oh, no, is it a canoe slalom? Canoe I, I slalom. Try, I'm trying to read Adam's face as well. Olympic <laughs> okay. silver medalist from Tokyo. Oh. Adam, is this person a runner or canoe slalom? Claire Duck. Runner. Runner. Good. 3-1. <laughs> Rob. Go on. Steve Prefontaine. Runner. Yeah. Yeah, see, Adam knew. He's got it. <laughs> yes. Adam, let's give you Sammy Wanjiru. Runner. I've got it. <laughs> one more Last for me. Go on. One more for you. Rob. Winner takes all. Winner takes all. Yeah, so if I get this one, I win. <laughs> Jessica Fox Canoe Slalom Got it ah! You've got it <laughs> We'll call it a tie We'll call no, it a famous Canoe Slalom athlete So uh, I, I, I imagine that's probably a guess still <laughs> It was Very much so Very much so I think we've got less than one minute to go So what I'm going to do is say Thank you very much for joining us Adam It's been mm. really enlightening And And I'm sure if people want to get more information, they can go to Instagram and TikTok and email. We'll put all the details on there. And we will see you when you win a gold in Paris. Awesome. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Cheers, Thank you, Adam. Adam. Thank Cheers. you so Thank much. You. Good luck. Cheers. There you go. Finally, we got it recorded. It was done. And what Finally. an interview it was. An absolute cracking interview. I think it was fantastic. I think there's a lot of things in that interview that I'm certainly going to be thinking about. 
um, obviously in terms of the, the breathing, uh, controlling your breathing, mm-hmm. things that the listeners, you can obviously incorporate into your rest periods. First of all, let's start with rest periods, thinking about seeing how we can control the breath to aid things like our recovery and our health, but such a great interview. I think. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. I think, and, and that's one of the reasons, like I said in the interview, was one of the reasons why we brought him on is because there was a lot of stuff, although he hasn't a runner as he established himself, Far from it. Please now. <laughs> a lot of the things that he was talking about can be translated into what we do as runners. So on a daily basis, we could be looking at his breath work. We could be looking at his mindset and how that improves by breath work as well. So it's it was a really good interview. And and, and like we say, we're going to get him back on when he wins that gold medal, when he definitely well, does which- it. The way he trains, I mean, if, if you haven't already, as I say, check out his uh, social media accounts. The guy puts in some serious commitment, focus and, and everything into his training. But what I really, really liked the most was what he said about um, his recovery um, and the amount of stuff he focuses on his recovery because I don't think it's something that we pay enough attention to and it is very hard as you know, normal, um, you know, recreational runners. It, it is hard to sometimes do the run, do the race, but not, you, you know, you jump in the car after a race and you don't think about your recovery. And actually it's going to make you be able to perform better in the weeks prior to your races and in the build up to your next one. So some really insightful stuff about recovery. Fantastic stuff. I hope you really enjoy, I hope people are listening now. They did enjoy that and they can use a lot of the tips that, Adam yeah. was talking about to help them to improve on their running. I mean, I wish the coach, the uh, the couch and coach challenge was back for this week. <laughs> I think I'd be having you with an in an ice bath with you with your mouth taped up. <laughs> <laughs> I need my mouth taped up. If anybody seen the video on TikTok, would have let out scream. <laughs> Maybe we bring back the couch and coach challenge um, in a couple of weeks' time. I know what I'm going to be getting you to do anyway. Um, <laughs> but we've just touched on it there. Races. Yeah, you come off the back of an NSRRA race number two, Rugely 10. It was, it was. We're not, uh, not going to well, give anything away, though, are we? No, no, we're going to keep, gonna, it, keep it back a bit. Keep it back. If you want to know how Rob got on, go to the NSRRA website and check the results or listen <laughs> to the next episode. Um, because on the next episode, what's happening, Rob? So... I'm going to tell you where I came, but also we're going to get a, a, a second guest appearance from Mr. Ken Rushton. So we're going to get Ken back on to just give us a bit of a the, the, the lowdown of what's happened at Owl Sager and also Rusley, and I, I hopefully can tell us a bit more about what's coming next with NSRRA, yeah. uh, and we can get some tips and tricks from him as well to get us yeah. get us up that leaderboard. I'm looking forward to that. Um, I, am, I think it would be. Really good. I mean, there's been a few early promotions, so we can talk about how he's made the decision to get some early promotions. Yeah. Um, talk about the future plans of NSRRA, some of the future fixtures, get a bit of insight to some of the courses, maybe, if you're planning what races you're going to go to. Um, so it be a really good good interview again with Ken, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Ken Rushton. Uh, as Adam is as well. Adam is now friend of the show. So we're going to get Adam back on when he's, when he's won that gold medal. Yeah. Um, Should I have a look at the Strava League? Strava leaderboard, insert jingle. Insert the jingle. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't do it last week because obviously there was no podcast. So unfortunately, the guys that came the second and third didn't get a mention. 
but we've done it this week. So from Monday to Sunday this week, we've got in reverse order. It's similar names to last week or the week before. Alicia Gilbert with 54.3 miles. She's clocking up their miles. We've got Liam Clay in second with 55.6. Again, clocking up their miles. And then the geezer in New Zealand. He came top. Uh, the top 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 guy in New Zealand, Sean top Moynihan, top man, sixty two point five miles in a week. Yeah, I'm wondering well, they, whether he's going into this speed phase yet because he, he talked about it in a message that he sent to us that he's doing math running to two hour running, um, and his mileage is you know he's he's fifty fifty five sixty two miles last week. Um, He's out running today, or you know, one one forty three p.m. in Nelson, New Zealand, a two hour math run again. So I'm interested to see when he makes his transition over to the speed work. Isn't the storms going on in New Zealand as well? There's some kind of storms going on. It well, it's it's quite a disaster actually. What's happening, been going on in there. So Sean, yeah. reach out to us. Hopefully, you're safe. Um, I'm sure you, I mean, are, you are out running every day, but yeah, I pray for people that are obviously uh, stuck in the the storms if if they are affected. But mm. it, it doesn't appear that fear that it doesn't appear that anything is stopping Sean Moynihan. No. He was still out today for two hours, mm. um, so fair play to him. And he does feature um, in this week's as well. So this week's uh, leaderboard. So from uh, Monday to Thursday. So today, which we're doing the show. Nicola Lee, I don't think she's had a mention yet. She came third. She got 20. New name. New name. So she's she's claimed third spot. So she did 28.0 miles. Just pipping Paul Hall to the third he place did, spot. Yeah. So Paul came fourth with 25.1. He was t- he was in the top three a couple he of was. hours ago because I looped. Uh, Sean Moynihan again. So um, top man from New Zealand. He's done 30.0 miles. And then top of the leaderboard, I think she was the same last week is Alicia Gilbert with 33.0 miles. Well, well done, done, everybody. Well done. There's a new name on the leaderboard I haven't seen. Um, Go on. Who's yeah. that? Robin Williamson. Yeah. He must be a new member. He's in... Uh, to I think the, he's to in Stone, Stone Master Marathoners. So Ooh, welcome Rob. to the group. Rob. Go on, what? Have you checked out Robin Williamson's profile picture on Strava? Yeah, he's doing my pose. <laughs> <laughs> In your pose, mate. Almost. He's got his arms out. He's like an aeroplane. My pose is two thumbs. Robin, Robin, stop that funny business. We're all getting jealous. <laughs> I, I, my pose is two thumbs up to the side, like an albatross. I've got the wingspan. Well, I know my wingspan is the same as same width as the smallest house in the UK. So in Conway, I've measured up, and it's the same width. That's a claim to fame. Uh, well, so that's something like, you. You didn't need to know. But thanks for that, Rob. Um, come on, let's let's out, let's rally the troops. I think the Strava leaderboard—it's growing in runners. We're now at fifty-six runners. There's some new names on there that I haven't seen before. Somebody put a challenge into Alicia Gilbert. I'm I'm not having this anymore. I want it to be a Stoke Fit member at the top of that leaderboard next week. Anyone going to accept the challenge? Paul, wink, wink. Amanda, wink, wink. Wink, wink. Let's see what can happen. But fair play to everybody and well done. Some great running going on. A total uh, so far this week of 518 total club miles. um, Over uh, 
the Sunday to Thursday, or is it Monday to Thursday that we're now Monday. recording it? On? I've only do I've only done two point six miles because I had a bit of an injury, carrying a bit of injury from Rusley. Well, it wasn't an injury, just a bit of tenderness on top of my foot. So I've only done two miles this week. So I'll be out this weekend getting his runs in. Yeah, you need to go and cr- crack that uh that voucher out for Vela Runner and get yourself. I know, get some. Tra- I know, go and go this weekend, get some more trainers. I think. Give them a call, see what they've got in, in size 15, or whatever it is you're <laughs> rocking around in. I could ask Adam if he's got a, a spare canoe I could borrow. <laughs> two canoes? Yeah. Run around in two canoes. I think that would probably work, to be fair. <laughs> but um, interesting episode, a fantastic interview, um, a short but sweet one of us talking about other things. But next week, um, we will be back to normal. All things NSRRA with friend of the show, Ken. We want your listeners' questions, so get in touch with your listeners' questions. Workout um, of the week will be back as well. Workout of the week. That's <laughs> going to be coming. And we'll be doing uh, couch reads uh, next week. Couch reads. Couch reads. It's couch reads next week. It's your what turn. What have I been reading? So we'll be doing mm. that. And we might even have some uh, poetry to, to talk about. But yeah, it'll be good stuff. I think we'll get we'll get another good episode in if it manages to record next week. <laughs> I'm sure it will. I'll be looking at different platforms anyway. But that's me to worry about. So final thing I'd like to say is thank you to Adam. Um, if you ha- are interested in his work, obviously check out the links in the um, show notes if we can get them put in there. Obviously give him a follow on Instagram, TikTok, all his social medias if you're interested in his work um, and his journey to Paris. And of course, drop us a like and a follow as well. Mm, thank you very much, Adam. Uh, really do appreciate your time uh, and hope people, and I'm sure they will, I hope people have enjoyed the, the podcast this week. I'm off, to, I'm, off, I'm off to try some of these stoke cakes, whatever they're called. What are called? Do you know what bloody oak cakes are? I'm, going to, I'm, off to, I'm off to try and take my mouth up to see how that works. Enjoy. I'm, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it could be arranged if you ask Laura. She'd probably want to fit what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm sure she would. I was going to say that on the, on the podcast. The problem is I talk too much, so I'm, I'm constantly breathing out. Uh, dear. Well, I'm going to enjoy my oat cakes. You can enjoy your taping up, and we'll see you next week. See you later.